Hi. It's been so long since you and I have recorded, which is so weird because we've been recording so much. We're batch recording so many episodes because basically we have to create almost two and a half months worth of podcast episodes before we go on tour so that we can go on tour because there's no time when we're on tour to record. Not much at least. So we're going to record a lot of encounters together. Yeah, that's true. We saw a lot of each other. And then for a week I was off prancing around doing things. But now I'm here for the ghost stories. Because this is two girls, one ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. And I'm Sabrina. I have so much to tell you, but I think I'm going to save it for the episode we record after this so that we have stuff to talk about in the beginning. <laughs> as if as if we'd be just be like sitting there in silence, crickets chirping. But sure. Okay. We'll save it. We'll save it for a later, later episode. Because it's some good stuff. So I'm reading the future for all of you who are listening to this as it comes out. The episode that comes out September, I think it's third. It's like the week we go on tour. That episode is going to have some ghostly in the beginning. Okay. I have something cool to tell you too. Okay. We'll have a lot to talk about, but our priority in the encounters episode episodes is telling your ghost stories, your experiences, all of you listening back to you because our inbox, we say we're haunted. You guys are haunted (laughs) and our inbox probably is the most haunted place. Yeah, I think it's us being haunted. We already were haunted, but then we created this community that is so haunted that it has made us even more haunted. I think we all just point the blame at each other, but we're all just collectively creating this big haunted bubble that's around us. And so, I mean, I guess you guys can imagine some of the subject lines that we get each week as people send in their emails. And we have some really interesting stories to tell you today. So Sabrina, would you like to go first? I would because I do have three. I really want to introduce everyone to Soot because I haven't shown her on the podcast yet. Oh, okay. She's just been on our Campfire Stories, which we do on Patreon every Tuesday, If in case anyone's wondering where that went. It's on Patreon right now. And by the time the episodes that come out after this, like the ones that we're recording after this, they all come out basically when we're on tour and she will be hopefully adopted by then. You won't be fostering her anymore. Come here, little girl. What is her her actual name? Regina. Regina. A sweet little baby kitten, a little black kitten that Sabrina is fostering through Stray Cat Alliance, which is where she had fostered last year's kittens, the pastas. Sabrina didn't feel like she looked like a Regina. And so someone had suggested when we were on Campfire Stories that she looks much more like a soot. <laughs> it's so cute. It's stuck. Say hi. There she is. I feel like this is the Lion King moment where Simba's being held out in front of the crowd below. We're all just like, soot. Or, or in Toy Story where we're the little aliens in the claw. The claw. I feel like that's that's how I feel when you hold up soot. Leia at the top of the stairs. Leia's warming up. Warming up to kitten life. And, you know, Leia's the original. We can't blame her. It's hard to share the spotlight sometimes. I will say they actually do really like each other, despite how it might seem when they hiss at each other or when Leia hisses at her. But she has been giving her licks. And it's just when it moves too fast, then Leia's like, you stay still and I'm going to hiss at you and swat at you until you do. Yeah. See, this is the hard part. It's like now you don't really know if Leia's, if her grunts and gruffles and screams are because of an insect, a ghost, or just because soot is near. So there's a little bit more to consider. I have been 
the light in this is an old building. So I'm going to caveat this with that. But the last few nights and mornings, because I've been keeping the bathroom light on for soot and I keep it a little bit dimmed. It has been communicating with me is all I will say. Oh, stranger things moment. You got to put up some of those, the A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You got to put a whole, <laughs> those Christmas light bulbs. Make a mini one. I just said, hi, uh, Nana and Pop-Pop, who are my my mom's mom, my dad's dad, who have passed away. And I feel very connected to them. So I just said, hello. Well, that's good. We got some drama going on over here. Cat drama. Ooh. All right. Just distract us all with a ghost story. Okay. I have a couple. Okay. So this first one, I'll do a little short one to warm us up. Okay. This is from our listener who calls herself... Haunted Auntie Mika. (laughs) I love that. And since we're the ghosty aunts, this is very apropos. Okay. It is called Black Eyes in the Mirror. Hello, Sabrina and Corinne. I found your podcast about a month ago. This is back in 2020. So I hope you're still with us. Whenever you say that, it sounds like we're assuming someone is deceased. But when we say that, we mean we hope you're still listening, not the assumption that people are perishing left and right. Well, I guess I hope both that they're still with us listening and still alive. It just sounds so morbid. It's like, hope you're still here. Hope you hope you still breathe. Oh, man. We do hope that. But well, if not, come haunt us. <laughs> I welcome you as long as you're kind. Okay. This one isn't scary. It's just kind of funny. My niece is three and for some reason is absolutely terrified of black eyes. Well, duh. Who isn't? Who wouldn't be? But it is like a weird and irrational fear, I guess. Okay. Mm -hmm. She doesn't watch scary movies or anything, but absolutely knows black eyed things are scary. She doesn't like squirrels or birds because they have black eyes. Any sort of any sort of animatronic toys like for real friends or Furby, etc. She hates because of the large black eyes. Kind of like the emoji. Oh, yeah. I I was immediately thinking about a harbor seal. I feel like that's a really good test of how scared of you, how scared of black eyes are you? Because those are some huge black eyes, but seals are so cute. You very clearly have just come off of a trip to Nantucket. I did. Your Nantucket trip is showing, Corinne. I was bougie for 36 hours. (laughs) I don't know what she has seen that made her determine black eyes means get the hell out, but she does not like them. I was babysitting her and she sleeps in my bed when she's with me. When I woke up to her hiding under the blanket, tapping my shoulder, Mika, I'm scared. There's black eyes in the mirror. I wake up because trust your toddler and trust your pets is my way of life. And I tell my smart home to turn on the lights. My niece says, Oh, just kidding. It's a picture of my mommy hanging by the mirror. (laughs) Oh, I can only imagine Mika's heart just pounding. What is there? Stay spooky, haunted Auntie Mika. Oh my gosh. Honestly, this is perfect because haunted Auntie Mika, I'm sure has so many experiences in their own life. But at the same time, I feel like children haunt us in many ways as well. Yeah. But their stories. <laughs> so true. And just the confusion that's involved with like, are they seeing something or is this their imagination? <laughs> and that's terrifying. I do feel like kids have crazy imaginations. So it's super easy to just like wave things off and be like, oh, it's fine. It's just their imagination. But we have learned and we know as 
previous creepy kids ourselves, kids just have a connection to the other side that they are very in tune. They see things, they know things. So Mika's way of life of trust your toddlers, I think is a pretty good oh, yeah. operation standpoint for life. Absolutely. And if I can just say one more thing about Nantucket as if I haven't talked about it. You absolutely can. You haven't said anything. I know. The place that we stayed at in Nantucket, which I'd never been to Nantucket. I've never been to Martha's Vineyard. I've never been to Cape Cod. I've never had that sort of like South Shore bougie vacation. And so for my 30th birthday, that's what I I wanted. I told Brian, I said, I want like one night, two maximum in one of these like bougie spots. I want to experience what all these other people are, are living like. So we went and first I will tell people if anyone is thinking of going there, let me tell you this. Every time we went anywhere to purchase anything, it was like a punch in the gut. If you want ice cream with one topping, two size small ice creams with like hot fudge and whipped cream on each, $40. Like You cannot stay there long at all. Like Get in, get out. $40? Everything. I got a muffin and an iced coffee in the morning, 20 bucks. It was, I was like, I should have packed granola bars. <laughs> what is this place? That's scarier than any ghost story. It really, really was. I'm like literally crying thinking about it. We both were like, we cannot look at our bank accounts because this was a horrifying sight. And maybe one day if we win the lottery, we'll be able to go back, but certainly, certainly not anytime soon. Anyway, lesson learned, do some research before asking your husband for a a vacation somewhere. It was your 30th. You get to splurge. I know. I just feel guilty spending money because of the way things are right now. Anyway, point being is we did a lot of exploring in different bookstores, looking into the history, looking at all of these paintings. And the place that we were staying in had a lot of historic portraits that I think they were more, I would assume they were portraits of family members of this family who had lived for many generations in Nantucket. But as you walked down the hall, they went from these sort of like oil paintings of people just sitting for a portrait to pictures of people with their eyes like scratched out black. (gasps) what and I was scared I didn't ask what they were about because I was ask no but I did take I did take a video of it so that you could see because I wanted to show you we put it into this video I will but anyway yeah it was it was very creepy very very creepy that is creepy I totally understand haunted auntie Mika's niece being terrified of black eyes because there's something about not seeing the whites of someone's eyes and it's just like the darkness i mean it's it's why some musicians will wear and like people that do creepy costumes they put those fully black contacts over their whole eye because it does it is it triggers something within us right should we do that on tour just wear creepy ass contacts If I thought that I had the ability to put something in my eye, I'd say yes, but I sure as heck wouldn't. You could do it though. I could. I used to wear contacts all the time, but I prefer to be blind now. Um, What do you have? What's your next story? All right. Well, this caught my attention because it is called Grabbed by the Ghosts of the Lollery Mansion. So I was like, I've got to read this. I feel like there's a lot of ghosts there. Which one? Right. Who? Who grabbed you? Okay. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. I just came back from a trip to New Orleans with my fiance and his family. And boy, did we have some experiences, particularly by the Lollery Mansion. I've been a phantom since episode five and re-listened to your New Orleans episode probably 
three times before going there, making a list of every haunted and ghostly location that we had to go to. Wow. I love that. I know. That's so good. Sometimes I re-listen to our episodes when I'm going somewhere. I feel like she just went on our haunted road trip, like using our our podcast as the guide. It's perfect. And clearly it worked. (laughs) She found some ghosts. Or they found her. They found her. So on Sunday, we went on a ghost tour with my fiance, his mom, and his brother, all of who are massive skeptics and non-believers who tease me incessantly about my paranormal experiences and beliefs all the time. Well, they aren't the ones who lived in a super haunted house growing up, so honestly, they're lost. They wanted to go on this tour for the history, and I wanted to go for the history of it all, and of course, the spooky stories and goings-on around the French Quarter. Before we got to the Lollery Mansion, our tour guide took us to Lafitte's blacksmith shop to grab have a drink. Ghost peen! And I, of course, showed him your ghost penis picture. He loved it. He said that's truly something he has never seen. (laughs) Wow, we definitely have to go back and try to get another one, see if he reappears. My fiance and I went to Lafitte's probably four times on this five-day trip because the vibes are immaculate. Agreed. After grabbing a high noon, we were off to Lullery Mansion. As a history and spooky girly, I am well aware of the horrifying details of the mansion and sort of had this sinking feeling as we were approaching the house, which we hadn't come across yet on our trip. As the tour guide is telling us about the history of the house, I start to feel this horrible feeling in my stomach. Think like when you were a kid and you knew you were in trouble, but your parents hadn't confronted you yet. This turned into a feeling of someone wrapping their hands around my upper right arm, turning this feeling into a paralyzing sense of dread. We were across the street from the house, but my eyes were glued to one of the second story windows this entire time. I also don't think I blinked for five minutes straight. As the tour guide continued to tell the history of the house, this hand started to get tighter around my arm, squeezing its nails into my arm arm and the paralyzing panic I felt got stronger as the story went on. When the tour guide told us that we were going to go to the next location, I started walking and I could feel this hand sort of drift away from my arm and I almost felt like someone walked across the street to the house, taking this panic 100% with them. And then I went back to myself instantly. There were also no fingernail marks on my arm, so I don't know who this was, whether it was someone who once worked or lived in the mansion, or maybe one of her husbands who conveniently disappeared. I don't think I could turn my fiancé's family into believers after that, but again, they're lost. See you on the other side, Rachel from Boston. And then Rachel followed up one more time and said, I was just looking at pictures for my trip and I found this dark figure in a picture that I took the day after the ghost tour. I took this picture immediately after accidentally walking in front of the mansion, which is a big no-no for New Orleans locals. And if you look at the photo, which we'll put in the YouTube video. I'm going to look right now. It does look, it's like a perfectly, if you if you teach a kid how to kind of like draw. Oh, like the Grim Reaper. Yeah, it looks like that. It almost even looks like it's holding a sheath. Yeah, all of the reflections, they're spooky. Wow. I guess if you go with skeptics and they themselves aren't experiencing anything, you're just there as the one who's open and you feel these this pressure on your arm, this overwhelming sense of dread, you feel the nails, but it's maybe not something that's visible to someone else that's on the tour. I understand why they didn't quite turn into believers, but I would certainly. Here's something that I've learned in my extensive therapeutic history. Mm -hmm. You know, people are going to be who they are and we cannot control them. And so we have to mourn the fact that some people 
are going to just adamantly not believe in paranormal. And this is the exact sentence, like this lesson right here, specifically about the paranormal is something that I've talked about in therapy. You have to believe in yourself. All you can do is control your own actions and hope that one day a ghost, be it I or Corinne, or I don't know, someone else come and haunt the shit out of these people <laughs> and turn them for you and for all of us. But even so, there's I think there is something where it's hard to get past what people consider as a logical leap to believe in the paranormal, because even when people experience things, they're very quick to assume that it was something else. There's some chemical situation going on in your brain. You had a quick hallucination. Maybe you were asleep. That was weird. I must have taken too much Benadryl, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) Whereas I think we've had so many experiences that we're like, of course, they're going to believe after that. But the ghost. Yeah. You never know. Um, Can I really quickly show you something super fast? My parents got me us talking about like, you can only control yourself and your own beliefs and, and the way that you move about the world. Reminded me a little bit of this birthday card my parents got me. It says, Bigfoot wanted me to wish you a happy birthday. Aww. And then on the inside, it says, just kidding. He doesn't believe in you. <laughs> okay. Oh that feels God. like kind of rude, but also hilarious. I thought it was hilarious. I'd never seen it like this before. Yeah. Usually it's like, there's a spin. Yeah, there's a spin. Just kidding. He doesn't believe in you. We're not real. Bigfoot is the only one that's real. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. So I was going to say about this experience, like it's so interesting the way it grabbed onto her arm. To me, that almost makes me feel like, and this is a little bit sad, but like there's so many horrendous things that occurred in that home that I'm curious if this spirit was like someone who can see me and I can interact with like take me with you or like unburden me of these pains and horrors. That is, yeah, that's a... Because then all the panic kind of dissipated when it went back towards the house. Like it was the panic. It was the panic. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. Because part of another... Well, here's another thing. It could have been, what if there was someone who wasn't attached at all to this house, but someone who was just a spirit haunting New Orleans or a spirit within the vicinity of Rachel and their life? And knowing all of the darkness that happened at the Lullery Mansion, perhaps that spirit was like gripping Rachel so hard, being like, do not walk over there. There's something there that could potentially attach itself to you. Oh, holding her back. Yeah. So as soon as Rachel continued on down the path, the panic went away because no longer was Rachel at risk of encountering whatever existed across the street. I like this. This is a positive spin. And this is why it is fun that there's two of us. And some days one of us is really, really disturbing oh and dark gosh. and the other one is Well, happy Rachel, we're sorry you got grabbed. That sounds like a very scary experience, but it does sound like you had a, a yeah. lot of fun in New Orleans. Yes. And also it sounds like Rachel wanted some type of experience. So you got what you asked for. You encountered the spirits of New Orleans. I really want to see if I can tie a sweatshirt around my neck and have Kitty sleep in it. So hold on. Okay. This is why I buy oversized sweatshirts so I can baby Bjorn kittens. Kittens? How cute. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You're a mom. (laughs) This is the motherhood I'm looking for. Okay, this is good. I love it. Okay, what do you have next? I have a story. Okay, this is from our listener B. And it's called, I hope she's doing okay in that house. Oh, well, I hope she's okay too. Whoever she is. Me too. You'll find out. 
Hello, ladies. I moved to LA for work and I found myself in a huge apartment complex where I met my friend who I will call C. C was pregnant when I met her and living with her partner who wasn't really much of a boyfriend. Me and C really hit it off. I was over there at least three times a week. She has a bright, beautiful, loving personality and ended up having a baby girl and ultimately needed a better place for her and her family. So she moved. She found a townhouse nearby that was within budget and had so much room for the baby to grow. To give a brief layout of her house, it was the last in the line of four townhouses with one shared wall. The place next door was empty at that moment until it could be filled with new tenants. So the floor you entered on had a living room, a half bath, and a kitchen. Downstairs, down a long set of stairs, had two bedrooms and a full bathroom. Then the top floor, up another set of stairs, had a loft situation with sliding glass doors, which opened up to a large patio. First of all, this sounds amazing. Where is this in LA? I know. After she moved, I was still over there at least twice a week eating cheese and drinking wine. (laughs) You know, one day between me and her, she said that weird things were starting to happen in the house. She would come up from the bedrooms in the early morning to get ready for work and her keys would be in the middle of the living room floor or all of the lights would be on in the kitchen. Of course, to me, I'm like, girl, that is exactly how paranormal activity started. But I kept that tidbit to myself. Eventually, these stories came more and more frequent and now they were happening in broad daylight with the baby's toys going off randomly. Like, yes, I know this can happen with children's toys, but it was more than just a malfunction. Particularly, there was a toy that was activated when it was sat on. The toy would start going off throughout the day. She mentioned that she was trying to be funny, probably in the midst of some type of nervous moment, and said something to the effect of, please stop messing with the toys. The baby is trying to sleep. Immediately, the toy stopped being triggered. She wasn't against the idea that there could be a ghost in the house. And after these events, she figured maybe there's a kid spirit who just wanted to play. Again, she was just being the sweet woman that she is and didn't really mind the idea. So she started talking about it more openly with her partner, who admittedly denies the existence of ghosts and mentioned if we believed it was a ghost, that that was not a Christian thing to believe. So basically, we realized we weren't able to talk to him about it or talk about it around him from there on out without him telling us we were crazy. And if we let those thoughts in, bad things will come from those thoughts. However, things got creepier. One day when he was out of the house, she told me that she was sick with a pretty bad cough and had decided through the night to go sleep in the living room on the second floor while her partner and daughter stayed sleeping downstairs. This way she could cough without waking them up. So she slept upright on the couch. She needed to be up at 5 a.m. to get ready for work. And this was pre-COVID times when you still went to work with a cold. And she went up to the living room around 4 a.m. and had just began drifting back to sleep when she heard sprinting up the stairs. She jumped up from the couch thinking it was her partner running up the stairs to her because something was wrong with the baby. But then she realized the footsteps she heard were loud, like boots on hardwood floors. The stairs from downstairs were carpeted, leaving the only stairs to the loft, which were, in fact, hardwood. She heard the glass doors rattling up in the loft with no one around. Obviously, she couldn't go back to sleep and was just awake, understandably shook up. Mm -hmm. She didn't tell her partner about it because she did not want to hear more dismissal of her experiences. So, of course, she shared it with me two days later when I came over for cheese and wine. (laughs) We start looking for ways she can find out the history of this townhouse, prior owners and all of that. But in LA, stuff like that is buried like 400 feet underground. The next time I visit, she tells me nothing big has happened besides the toys over the week, but that she started to hear a buzzing in the house that travels around the room. She would hear it in the bedroom and almost drive herself crazy trying to find the source. But each time 
she would get to where it sounded loudest, it would seemingly move. It would mostly happen in the bedroom, but also around other parts of the lower level. She also mentioned she was able to find out who lived in the house right before them when mail accidentally came to her. So she actually Facebook messaged this person and asked to speak with her. This is so cool. She said the woman told her she didn't really experience anything in the house, but she also practiced a lot of meditation and yoga where she did a lot of chanting to keep negative energies out of her life and space. So helped a little bit. It's also interesting. The reason I write this story is because not only did she experience it there, but I too, who has not experienced much, had my own event there that made me uncomfortable. I volunteered to babysit baby girl so they could go out for the day. So me and the little one were going to get lunch at a burrito spot down the street. I took her downstairs to put on some socks and to put pants on her. As we were down there, I started hearing the buzzing. Being naturally curious, I tried to see where it was coming from. Again, very unspecific and I could not find the source. As I was so focused on finding the buzzing, I hear running in heavy boots down the hardwood stairs, slow to walking right above us. The boots were so heavy. They sounded like they were on a 300 pound military man. My initial thought was my friend forgot something. But then as I sat in the thought holding baby girl, I immediately got a sense of feeling uneasy and in danger. So I held her super tight, sprinted as fast as I could up the stairs, right out the door without socks and all. I'm not the type to look for whatever I heard in that case. I am the type to run, which is what I did. This last incident made me cry and still gives me the chills today. C went to sleep one night and explained she could hear the buzzing all night before she could fall asleep and it was louder than usual. She decided to ignore it and sleep anyway. Her, the baby, and her partner all shared a bed with her little chihuahua. As she was sleeping, she says she had a dream that she was locked in a closet. She says she could see police lights through the slats in the door but still felt in danger. She said all of a sudden a blade slid through the door and pierced her in the shoulder and says that she felt the immense pain and felt the warm blood dripping from her shoulder. What? She woke up and could still feel the pain in her shoulder. She was like, I couldn't go back to sleep, so I decided to stay awake. Shortly after that, her chihuahua starts growling towards the door and won't stop. She swears in that moment, she saw the door handle turn, the door crack open, and then shut again. She didn't feel safe to wake her partner with the story, so she stewed in it and stayed awake. She said a few hours later, her partner starts almost yelling, but with his mouth closed. She said it was like multiple yells, not just a brief one. She didn't wake him up, and the next morning he woke up and shared with her that he had a nightmare where many people were standing around him, murmuring, but their faces were blurred. His mouth was sewn shut, and he was screaming for her. He felt immense dread and truly scared. Oh my gosh. I don't think she shared her part of the story because she wouldn't want to freak him out or maybe even admit it to herself that much either. Unfortunately, her and I haven't kept in touch much shortly after that because her partner was a pretty difficult person to be around and banished me from seeing her. So I really do wonder all the time how she's doing. I hope she's doing okay in that house. Thank you for all that you both do. You have brought me so much positivity to a realm of storytelling that could be so dark. You're a joy to listen to. Stay spooky and a little kooky. B. oh my goodness i hope she's okay in that house too yeah and that the baby is okay 
Yeah. I, but I am curious because we've heard stories of like babies kind of bringing about onset of activity. Like mm-hmm. I wonder if it's the combo of the new house and the baby that made it more intense. Yeah. Especially because the person before them experienced nothing. Although it does sound like that person surrounded themselves with such light and positivity that they weren't an easy target. Not to say, I hate saying that because then that makes it seem like someone's doing something wrong to be a target, which no one is. But I think the fact that there is a baby, there's like another younger energy source, something that could attract and intrigue a dark spirit that has maybe been lurking for a while now especially because the feeling that B got was that they were in danger. It wasn't just like someone, because I think there's a, a, a very clear difference between the energy that we feel when it's like, oh, this could be a loved one, or there's a little old lady in the house that just like watches over everybody and feeling dread and discomfort and danger and literally sprinting out the door with the baby with one sock on to get yourselves out of there. Right. And it's, I mean, it's interesting the way that B said C was open to the idea of a little like ghost kid because at first it was just the toys going off, right? So it's like, it, it's almost like we, you say it all the time, little kid ghosts, they're just trying to trick you and they're actually something darker because oftentimes they are. It doesn't sound like childlike at all anymore. Now it's 300 pound heavy boots running up and down the stairs, shaking the doors that are on the loft and the buzzing. The buzzing really, really freaks me out because it makes me think of like a swarm of bees or a swarm of flies, which we know to be related to demonic entities. And I also associate the sound of buzzing with when people are about to experience sleep paralysis, because that's what I have experienced or or almost like astral projection too, where around me, there's like a, like, it sounds like I'm in a plain bathroom. Basically there's like suction and a lot of noise. And so with the buzzing, I was like, is this, is this the space around them basically trying to put them into a more vulnerable state or like draw themselves into, draw this person into like another plane? I don't know. I don't like that. But those nightmares are Nope. The night. Yeah. I think especially because they both had it and it it's probably so hard for C to like not be able to talk openly about the paranormal aspect of it, which again, demonic entities like to isolate people. Yeah. C is the perfect target because she can't talk to her partner about it. And now B is not in her life. Oh my gosh. I know. B, you got to go drive by, say hi, just check in. Yeah. Just check in. Just see how, how they're doing. Or send me the address. I'll check in. But I feel like this is a PSA to everyone that if you feel like you're in that situation where you're experiencing things and it's scary and it's isolating and there's no one around you that you can talk to, please go on Campfire Stories. Please find our our Facebook page, our Discord. There's us and then there's a whole community of people who are there to listen and chat with you about what you're experiencing because you're definitely not alone. It shouldn't feel isolating. It's scary to experience these things, but there's a whole lot of people that are here to listen to you, to support you, to help you through it. Yeah. Very well said. Whew. Wow. Should we start soliciting? Should I just start like walking door to door and say, hi, are, is your home haunted? And they're going to be like, who is this girl who's wearing a kitten in her sweatshirt slung over her body? And I'm going to wear my black eye contacts and just be <laughs> a creepy black eyed kid soliciting at the door asking if your home is haunted. Here's the thing. I don't think you'd look that out of place being that you live in Los Angeles. I feel like that'd be like, oh, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> it would be terrifying though. Are you kidding me? 
well, yeah, it would be terrifying, but I, I feel like there's some personalities that, and some costumes and some styles that there are probably people in similar getups out there right now. Okay, this is really funny. So I met a couple people a couple weekends ago and this one guy was like, we were just talking and I was like, I can't remember. I said something and he goes, yeah, you're weird. (laughs) I was like, does that surprise you? And he goes, no, the second you met me, you told me that you have a podcast all about paranormal and the ghosts. Like uh, I knew you were weird. Like, yeah, it kind of comes with the territory. (laughs) Never get rid of your weird. It's my favorite part of everybody. Never get rid of your weird. I want that on a shirt. (laughs) We have so many shirts coming. Most haunted friend. Never get rid of your weird. Never get rid of it. Well, this is a good story. This is called, not that any of them, sorry. All the other stories are bad and this one's good. (laughs) This one's good. They're all amazing, which is why we read them and try to read them all. Okay, this one's called Ouija and Great Grandpa. Hello, spooky ladies. Alyssa again, she, they. This is the story of the experience with my great grandpa who passed away in 2018, who I believe was playing with my one-year-old. I was a junior in high school and I remember part of my dream the next morning. I had an image of a human heart pumping and then it just stops. I woke up to my mom coming into my room. I felt dread when I first woke up, but then my mom never comes into my room in the morning. So I figure something's wrong. So I meant it as a joke, but I asked her who died now, mainly because in 2017, my great grandma had died from breast cancer and my mom said, pa died. I felt my heart sink and it felt like it stopped. I was closest with my great grandpa, my pa. His name was Richard. We called him Dick. And then my grandma, who's still alive. So I was destroyed. I immediately started bawling my eyes out. And my mom said, I'll call the school and tell them that you're not coming in. I said, no, I need to go to school. I just can't be around moping all day. Little did I realize it was the memorial service of a program we called Every 15 Minutes, which is about drunk driving. So every two years, our school selects well-known students from each grade and then has them pinch their faces and act dead. So I was crying in the back row of the auditorium during the memorial service. So traumatic. My school did that too, but I skipped all of those days. Mine did not. Really? Yeah. I think they like brought like a car from the impound lot that had been in a drunk driving accident to show like how devastating the crash is, but they didn't have anyone fake dead. No, I think we definitely did. People would have to like go leave school at certain times of the day because they'd be like, oh, they're no longer with us. Your best friend's not in your math class anymore. It was a scary way to teach kids. Jeez. So now my Ouija board story. My mom had bought me a Ouija board and I've always loved the supernatural. So my mom figured that this would make me happy. The first time I'd ever used it was with my other two friends. Let's call them Kat and Jay, both girls. And Kat had originally wanted to play. So I stated what we needed and to follow the rules. Jay wanted nothing to do with it. She's very religious, but we started asking questions. And in order to know that neither of them were moving the planchette, I asked what my brother's name was, not just his initials. And it spelled out J-A-M-E-S, James, which is his name. And neither of the girls knew that I had a brother since he's a half brother who lived in Ohio, which is where I was born. And we were playing at the board in Arizona. Do you think my half-sister and half-brother are going to do this? (laughs) What's my sister's name? And it's like, Sabrina. Nothing evil came out of the board, and we found out some names of people who were on the land before, but something a little alarming towards the end did happen. 
I noticed I had got a rash on my leg and we hadn't used any new detergent or carpet cleaner or anything and I didn't scratch my leg. So I'm not really sure why I got this rash out of nowhere. My next story, this happened in the same house that we use the Ouija board in, but this time it was in my bedroom versus in the living room. So this time Kat, Jay, and B all agreed to play with the Ouija board. So we asked some of the same questions, but this time we found out more about who lived on the land before and damn, it was gruesome. Oh. Trigger warning for rape, murder, and suicide now. Okay. I will be telling the story these spirits told the four of us. There was a family, a young girl, her friend, a little boy, a mother, a father, the mother's brother. I don't remember their names. And these Ouija board experiences happened when I was 14 years old, but the little girl was around our age at the time. So about 14. And so was her friend. They had stated that they had both been assaulted and then murdered. The little boy stated that he had also died by the hands of the same person. And the mother had been shot. The father also killed by the same person who killed the little boy and the two little girls. Oh my gosh. This person was their uncle. He committed all of these murders and then he himself died. We were so scared from the information that this younger girl told us. And then B pointed out that I had the rash on my arm again. And I don't know how it happened. So we all just said goodbye because it started to feel really unsettling. And then Jay started joking, Jesus, take the wheel. But with none of us by the planchette, it shot across the board and then across my bedroom. Wait, did they not close out? I think they did say goodbye. Okay. But it's still, something still was out there and doing something. Oh, okay. Okay, so flash forward. This happened last year with my husband, who is a huge skeptic. As you can both tell, I certainly am a believer and I am very sensitive. My husband decided that he wanted to play with the Ouija board and I asked him if we could do it a different night since I was tired and I didn't really want him to play alone. Of course, he said no. And he played alone while I had my eyes closed listening to him ask questions. Every time he asked a question, a word or phrase popped into my head, which I would say before the Ouija board spelled it out that he was working on. Whoa! And then would stop. My husband asked multiple questions and every time the response in my head was the same response that the Ouija board had said or is working out. My husband says goodbye and then looks at me and asks, how did you know what it was going to say? I told him, I don't really know. My eyes were closed most of the time. I couldn't see what it was spelling, but I just verbalized what was coming into my head. Speaking of things in my head, my husband has a cousin fly into Tennessee, which is where we lived. He's in the army. And when I first met her, I wanted to call her Magpie, which while she was staying with us, I found out that her younger brother had passed away a few years before. And that is what he called her, which I've never heard anyone call her that. We call her Maggie, but I just knew to call her Magpie. That's really, really cool. And so sweet. So sweet. See you on the other side, Alyssa. That's a lot, Alyssa. I don't even know where to start. Alyssa, I think you're not supposed to play with a Ouija board. (laughs) Well, that and I also just think Alyssa is like a, like a can channel spirits. Like she, she is a medium, but almost like can become a vessel for them. Okay. First, I'm sorry for your loss of your grandfather. It does sound like the dream where she saw the human heart beating and then stop almost is like a direct core. I mean, it 100% is direct correlation to me. Like I, I believe that it was the sign in terms of the terrifying and gruesome and horrific story that these spirits on the board were telling Alyssa and her friends. I'm curious because if something like that happened at this house, I think it would be easy to find records of that unless it's like 
old, 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 like old timey, like early settlement kind of stuff. But part of me wonders if it's just like similar to the Rick story in Dominus, like episode 12, this entity almost telling horrific stories to frighten rather than it actually being real. Especially because the first session that Alyssa did with her friends, they weren't getting anything startling, right? Like they were just learning a few things, but the rash was still there. So it was it was almost like the rash is Alyssa's body's response to something evil being near, yeah, right? It's like her right. own anaphylaxis to something that is going to harm Allergic to inside. demons. She's Alyssa's allergic to demons. Totally. And her body was trying to tell her like this thing that's trying to gain your trust and just trying to like be, oh, we're just having a silly little Ouija board session. You should not be near this thing. And then I think it's very clear that the second time they played and how much things escalated and were so incredibly disturbing. Very disturbing. It does make... And then the rash came back, it does make me think that there that this wasn't necessarily just a group of spirits who belonged to a family that it had horrific ends to their lives. <sighs> I hope it's not true. I know. I hope so. I, I hope that it's a demon and that there wasn't a family who went through all of this. And I'm sure, yeah. It's sad because I know in history that there are, but I yeah. want this well, one instance to be made up by a demon. I have a story to end on. Okay. There's kind of a bunch of different things in this. So it is from our listener, Erin, and it is called Alaska Has Spooky Happenings Too. I never hear tales from Alaska unless it's about Israel Keys. So if you ever visit, Seward, Alaska has a haunted AF hotel called the Van Gilder. People see a woman's face there and tubs turn on. The place gives me the creep. So I would never stay there as I attract negative spirits uh, like flies to fruit. Y'all have fun though. Thanks. <laughs> Aaron's like, you guys go. I do, feel like I do that to you though, Corinne. I'm like, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> Obsessed with the pod and YouTube videos, please never stop. I wish I found y'all sooner, but everything happens for a reason. This is a story about how I was spiritually saved by my friend, banished a demon, and became a psychic or something. The ending is sweet, bittersweet, but sweet. So I've attached photos of my pupper as well. His name is Bash because he's so bashful. Much love. (laughs) Okay. This story is dedicated to Preston Atwood. May our brave hero rest in peace. Content warning. Childhood neglect, drug addiction, psychosis, abuse, animal abuse, murder, and of course, demons and ghosts. I am sorry to end on this one. I should have done the, I should have done Auntie Mika's last. I know. Well, at least you guys have a cute kitty with the little paws out you can look at if you're watching on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I do want to call her demon because she bites so much and she is a little demon. <laughs> Michael, come here, you little demon. Okay. Due to the supernatural nature of this podcast, there will still be a black hole of wonder awaiting. I was born into the perfect home. I had the taste of glory. So you must understand why I became so angry as my life dwindled to darkness. Perhaps that is why I was susceptible to the demon of this tale. My home fell to the broken filth of an addict. I remember times without food, running water, or heat. Times where animals were so neglected, they'd go to the bathroom inside and move to the neighbors. Other kids didn't like me because I was smelly, and the lunch lady couldn't feed me because my mom made too much money. The system doesn't take into account that some people will blow all of that money on drugs. Luckily for my brother and I, we had a safe haven at my father's house. Even if he couldn't connect emotionally, he knew how to support us physically. My dad would let me take his bed some nights so I could get some better rest for school. This, though, was not one of those nights. No, 
This was the night I had my first encounter. I was up too late on my iPad when I suddenly felt the need to put it down and look up. When I did, I saw a full grown man in a top hat and a trench coat standing over me with a scowl I will never forget. My 10 year old ass froze, unable to breathe before finally deciding to just hide under my blankets. You see this apartment complex had been a brothel before the 1964 earthquake and tsunami. If you know Alaska, It won't be hard to pinpoint the town I am talking about. The next time I encountered this man, it was just his voice. I didn't want to watch old Western movies with my family, so I was hanging out in my brother's room. As I got a glass of water, I heard a man say, Leave or die. Wow. Petrified, I asked my father if the TV said that. To my dismay, he said no. Looking back, I'm thankful the ghostly shit happened at my dad's house because my mom's was already chaotic enough. Dad's just needed the spice, I guess. (laughs) About a week or so later, my friends heard the same thing. I lied to her and told her it was the TV. Considering what comes next, I think this man actually was trying to warn me, not threaten me. This night, my dad gave up his bed for me. And at this point, I taught myself to cry myself to sleep because I had such bad insomnia and I thought it was the quickest way to bed. I promise this story has a positive ending. This night, the tears came from a particularly dark place. In my dream, I was in my dad's bed. He was fading out the door when a garbage green humanoid with yellow eyes jumped out of the upper corner of the room, scratching my ankle. Oh. I woke up immediately after this and I realized my ankle was actually burning. I never actually looked for a scratch and honestly mostly wrote it off until I was 15. By age 15, my anger and depression had peaked. Most of my memories were of darkness. I had completely sworn off God and swore that nothing was real. Yes, very dramatic. I am a Leo, but also I don't blame that little girl. I hated everything. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. My mom had been sent to rehab after having that option of rehab or prison. She left a bunker of a house and with a few months of rent paid off. So my brother and I took this opportunity to smoke some pot. For a couple of teens, this was the shit. One day with the couch pushed up to the table and some chairs around it, Preston showed up. He sat right next to me with his goofy walk and big smile. Little did I know that this is the day he'd become my best friend. I want to say, I believe whatever you put power to is what is real. All religions are valid and it's not my place to discriminate. I just ask that you give this part an open mind as I cannot explain it any other way. So we passed a bong around and Preston would shield his mouth with his hand as to hide it from the people in the chairs and whisper to me. I can't remember what he was saying. I only remember this profound level of consciousness and deep inner understanding. Me saying, dude, what the fuck? That's so true. And him saying, I know. There were moments of blacking out of consciousness, like something else was taking me and pretending to be me. And there were moments of him cracking jokes about how everyone else thinks we're talking shit about them. Little did they know. Then onto topics of demons. I don't remember how we got there, but I remember the dream from when I was 10. He said to me, ask in your head what its name is. With some doubt, I did. In my head, I asked, what is your name? A male voice replied in my fucking head, where it had always been my voice and said, Asmodeus. Preston told me it was lying, but I didn't believe him. After passing the bong around some more, Preston started praying. Eventually he turned to me and said, did you see it? I asked, see what? But when I went to blink, my eyes stayed shut. I saw a green light and was filled with more love and peace than I had ever felt. For a neglected child, you might understand why that was meaningful. The light said, hello, and was gone just like that. In my heart, I knew that this was the Holy Spirit and that Preston had just saved my life. However, the demon wasn't gone and definitely wasn't the king of demons, Asmodeus, but I wouldn't lean this 
Learn this until later. I was confounded and immediately Googled that name when I got home only to realize that Asmodeus, I shouldn't have said it three times, but is the name of an actual demon. I had never heard of it before. And how was that in my head? I wondered. As I slipped into my own addiction to stimulants, I went into what I can only describe as God mania, Googling every conspiracy and setting everything down to quantum physics, trying to make sense of anything, and finally believing in myself to learn something. Life was so vivid. I was frantically writing down some theory when I blacked out, only for a few moments. And when I came back to, I looked at my paper, pencil still in hand, and saw in perfect cursive, upside down, to tell me. Those are the words, to tell me. These days, I wonder if that angry man was trying to secretly warn me. I still don't understand what that was, but I immediately scribbled it out and kept the paper for years. I got fully sober at 19. When I was 17, I started hanging out with a bunch of hippies and abruptly stopped doing cocaine. If you know anything about substance abuse, you know this is extremely dangerous. The hair that broke the camel's back for me was my cat dying. He had been my brother and I's rock, and I slipped into an aggressive psychosis, and because of the way I was raised, no one noticed. I was great at hiding who I was inside. I couldn't tell my foot from my shoe. I thought my coworkers were going to lock me into their garage. And well, I saw and felt Preston die on repeat. I only oh wish I could gosh. have put the pieces back together sooner. Now, as I do acknowledge the spiritual side to the psychotic illness, I do not think my psychosis should be written off as a spiritual awakening. Nothing in my life had felt that confusing or scary, not even the demon. I got back with my ex who became pretty abusive and moved in. Not great for someone who has no idea what reality is. At some point in my psychosis, it showed me a white room where I was in a cage surrounded by blood, guts, and a sleeping demon. Thinking this was real, I spoke in tongues and did a weird tricky shot motion to hand my ex the lighter when he demanded it. In another delusion, a more comforting one, the room was my mother's womb and I was safe. Not comfortable to look back on, however. Drugs are bad. Okay, kids. God, I should have taken that South Park man's words more seriously. So after my ex tried to hold me captive and I escaped, I never went back. I would shake in fear and run when I saw him in my small ass town. And my dad, now living in a non-haunted townhouse, let me stay there where I laid in bed for eight months to a year. I loved this place and I was able to heal. And my family pushed me to get therapy. I tried to go therapy again this year, but the lady told me I was just connected. So I flipped out and left. Not all delusions are premonitions. Sadly, the one about Preston was. Because a year after the episode where I kept seeing him die over and over, he was tragically killed on a beach by a group of people. When I got the call that he was missing, I assumed he had just gone into the woods, but then they found his body and it all hit me. I had seen it coming. I decided I needed to give him something beautiful to watch from heaven. So I vowed to do everything I never thought I would. I met some witches online who taught me how to banish demon. So I did just as Preston would have wanted. I was so weak from laying in bed. So I started going on short beach walks until I started lifting weights at the gym. I retaught myself cognitive speech by recording myself and watching it over as well as listening to podcasts. I moved out of Alaska, traveled the States, fell in love with living in my car, started a YouTube channel, and eventually made my way back home to the land of the midnight sun. And I finally fell in love with myself, for me, but also for Preston, the hero who reignited my spark and my love for life. Ultimately, it circles back around to him, showing me the light of love, the Holy Spirit. I hope in every life that we are friends, and I know he thinks I'm brave. Thank you for reading my solemn tale. If you'd like to shout out my YouTube, it's Bum Barbie XO with a series called Urban Car Life. Poverty shouldn't mean misery, so we will make the best of it. I love you guys so much, and I'm obsessed with encounters. 
Knowing I'm not alone in this crazy spiritual world is very comforting. I found y'all through Morbid, so I'm a new listener, but definitely a lifer. With love, Erin, your favorite Alaskan. Erin, I don't even know what to begin with because I'm so sorry for everything that you had to experience in life. It's so, it just feels so, I mean, there's nothing really to to say because I wanted to say like, it, it feels unfair when children have to go through something like this. It is. But it's also about what you do to help yourself heal. And I'm really glad that Erin, it sounds like you are taking all of the steps that you need to, to get yourself into a good place where you get to live the life that makes you feel good and comfortable. And I'm sorry that things happen to people that you loved around you that are so horrific. Oh my gosh. I know. And it's so hard. I think one of the toughest journeys, I mean, all of this is awful, but like in growing up in a home where there's childhood neglect, you're not taught how to love or be loved in a proper way. So it's so beautiful to see and hear that Erin is in a place in her life that she loves herself and has found yeah. the ability to do that. Yeah. And I am so grateful that Aaron shared this story with us because it is a struggle, whether in the exact same way or in a slightly similar or just even very different way. Humanity is a struggle and life is difficult, but there's hope. And I think Aaron's story gives us all hope. And I feel like I, I learned a lot from Aaron here too, because when Aaron was talking about the experience with the therapist and the therapist basically being like, you're connected, you're spiritual, you know, it's not always helpful in all of it, in every scenario to just assume someone is experiencing the paranormal, is psychic, is this or that. And it could be the flip side too. It's it's not always helpful to assume that what someone's experiencing can't be beyond our understanding and our scope of of science under, or, uh, scientific belief. So I think it is important to remember that there's not so much polarity to everything and that there there are things I don't really know what I'm saying. I don't Life know is complicated. There's Life is complicated. Like dualities to everything. Nothing is straightforward. Nothing is black and white. However many cliché statements we can say, we're just so glad that you're all with us. We love you all so much. And Life can be really fucking hard. And I'm saying that from personal experience. I'm saying it from viewing other people's lives. And I'm just grateful that I have you, Corinne. I'm grateful I have this community and that you all have each other. And ultimately, we're here. We're here for you. I know people are like, oh, like, I feel like I'm your best friend, but we actually are here for you. We care about you so much and care about your well beings. So if you need anything, and if you're haunted, let us know. Call 1-800-MOST-HAUNTED. <laughs> a direct <laughs> line to me and you. Most haunted friend. <laughs> all right. Well, we love you all. Love we you all very much. so appreciate you being here. For those of you who we get to see and hug and speak to in person with the, the tour, we're so excited to see you. And then for the rest of you guys who are here, we're so incredibly grateful for you. And we're also grateful for our team. We have Christina who edits our podcast. We have Loren who's been helping us with social media and Avery who's been helping us with, I, I keep saying the tour, but really just everything under the sun. Everything. So, <laughs> all of the above. Thank you. Thank you. We're so blessed to be here. We're so lucky and yeah. we love you all. And if you want to adopt Soot or any other kitties in the Los Angeles area, Stray Cat Alliance. And we will see you on the other, other side. side.